Hello and welcome to Global Sanctuary for Elephants' brand new podcast, Global Rumblings. Global Sanctuary for Elephants, or GOC for short, is a non-profit organization with a mission to create vast safe spaces for captive elephants where they are able to heal physically and emotionally, often from very traumatic pasts. I'm your host, Nadia Mari, and I'll be taking you to the lush jungle of the Mato Grosso region in central Brazil, home of GSE's initial project, Elephant Sanctuary Brazil. Currently home to six female Asian elephants, lovingly referred to as the girls. Hello and welcome to episode five of the Global Rumblings podcast. I'm again joined by Scott and Kat Blaze from Brazil. Hello from Germany. Hello, Nadia. Hey, Nadia. How are you doing? Hi, Kat. Hi, Scott. I'm fine. Where did we leave off last week? We arrived back from a one-month trip around Brazil, and uh, we're back in the States. You looked at properties, you or possible properties. You got to know the country better. You got to know the climate better to see what was suitable for your elephant sanctuary. And uh, it's December 13 now, isn't it? Is that right? December 2013. So what happened then? Well, <laughs> uh, everything changed really fast uh, for us. Actually, we actually we didn't come back to the United States in December 2013. We actually left directly from Brazil because we got a call about Ramba losing body weight. Actually, you saw it in a photo. Mm -hmm. I think Kat got a photo of Ramba and she just didn't look good. And we were concerned because she was not only losing body weight, she was losing muscle mass on her head, which is something you normally see with older elephants that are starting to have diminished health or just elderly condition. But it happened pretty fast, uh, faster than we'd see with just general aging. Yeah, but we knew she had kidney problems, so we weren't sure if her kidney disease had advanced to the point where we would have to start talking about end-of-life care or what we were going to have to do. So we decided that what would be best was to go see her in person. So we went from Brazil on, I think it was even Christmas Eve, <laughs> went back to when went back to oh. I remember actually being in Argentina in an airport in Argentina, and it was oh that's it, right because nothing was, was Christmas open. Day, nothing was open. <laughs> there was nobody traveling. It no. was very surreal actually for Christmas Day. Yeah, because we found yeah. like one restaurant wow. that served terrible pizza, but it was the only <laughs> thing we could get to eat because it was like Christmas. <laughs> yeah. yeah, when you work with animals, holidays end up meaning much of nothing for the most part. But it was surprising that an airport holidays was kind of nothing also. I mean, no, nothing was happening. It was really strange. So we ended up- Yeah, really, that's weird, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, I mean, normally, I, mean, I remember traveling in, in the US on holidays and it was always crazy busy. Uh, so it was kind of surreal a little bit in Argentina. Uh, so we ended up back in Chile to check on Ramba. We were there for, I think, two weeks, two or three weeks and um, found that a lot of what was going on with it was just diet related. Thankfully, yes. it was just all that she wasn't getting enough food. Um, and we actually, after that, you know, she started improving. She started looking better. Her her uh, 
stool condition. Her, her feces were looking, were looking better, uh, after a few days uh, of changing diet and cutting fresh grass and just kind of changed the whole routine for her there. Um, and kind of reinforced some things that needed to be done because she is a special needs elephant. Sure. Uh, so yeah. we ended up going back to the United States with an increased urgency for Ramba. And, uh, so one of the last things we did in, in, Brazil was we were talking to some folks that had some land that was available. I think we mentioned this in the last episode, if I recall, and we yeah. found a land that we could possibly use as a, uh, possibly a long-term place or even a temporary place, depending on how things were going to unfold. Uh, we went back to the United States and we started talking to them a little bit more. Things were moving forward. We were trying to get agreements to be able to use their land and trying to finalize a contract, but there was issues. That was our first time learning that, nothing happens in brazil between like a week before christmas and carnival and between those okay. two <laughs> between that period <laughs> it is really hard to get anything done in brazil so we kept waiting for contracts and, and communications and it was really really slow a lot of people on vacation and because this was an entity a, a non-profit group that we were working with it was all about um you know, they had a vegetarian society that mm -hmm. actually owned the property and they used the property for retreats. And after how many conversations when we were in Brazil with people that spoke English, part of the association and with people that, you know, with a translator um, and with primary people from Elephant Sanctuary Brazil talking in Portuguese to people from the organization, we have no idea how it just didn't register. But finally, in our conversations, maybe right around Carnival, middle of February, beginning of March, they finally wrote a letter and realized that once elephants have access to the property, they can't go on hikes in the middle of elephant habitat. <laughs> you know, it is- Oh, I remember. Fun. Yeah, you said that they thought they had this sort of, um, I think we touched upon that very briefly, and they had this, I'll say, sort of romantic notions of their retreat guests wandering amongst elephants. And Yeah, so I, I can yeah. remember if we talked about that or Sharing not. Sharing space. Exactly. So that was part of our trip back in the United States is realizing that wasn't going to work. Uh, in the meantime, things started rolling forward, different contacts. People were really enthusiastic about our, our tribe that was there. And that's when we realized we have to start putting places in place to actually move to Brazil. Um, and by middle of June, end of June, 2014, we were ready to move back. I like that you look at me. It's all a blur. It is it's a blur. blur. <laughs> it's so much better than mine. Not for dates. You it's it's always me. better. It's always better looking back, isn't it? It's always better looking back like in school. You know, school was a great time, but when you're actually there. I don't know. I mean, I made the mistake. I, I will admit that I thought that um, in Brazil you speak Spanish, but you don't. You speak Portuguese. So um, obviously, if you say you decided to move to Brazil, you're not only changing country, you're changing culture but you're also changing a language. So, I mean, that's a, a huge step. It was a huge step. But again, going back to Ramba, that was our motivation. We have to make something mm -hmm. work for Ramba. We had no idea how much time she had. And uh, literally, did we know at that point how long it would actually take. But uh, we moved yeah. here with mm. a lot of optimism and, mm. you know, people were, we were selling everything at home, had a nice yard sale and said, you know, moving to Brazil, everything must go. And people <laughs> thought we were nuts for moving to Brazil until they heard what the purpose was. And people really embraced it. It was a small town and people really supported the idea of trying to do something for elephants in, in South America. And even folks here in Brazil were super enthusiastic. And a lot of 
pieces were in motion. And uh, by the time June rolled around and we decided we were actually moving there and sold everything. And um, we arrived here with the promise of land, money, and a car. Um, the money land as well, money as well. Yeah, actually it was supposed to be about a hundred thousand dollars. The exchange rate was a little bit different at that yeah. point, but it was equivalent to a 100,000 us dollars. Um, oh, and wow. then we had for a nonprofit that's just starting out of nowhere. That is a nice amount of money. Yeah. And a land oh, of, yeah. of almost the same size as what we end up having now, but a 1000 hectares was going to be donated. Um, and then we had the city who was going to give us a car. So we we're like, Hey, great. We can actually make this happen. We already have talked to the authorities who are super enthusiastic about helping to push permits forward. Um, and so we had this, the, you know, this beautiful vision and dream in front of us, uh, arrived here. <laughs> we arrived here June 24th, 2014. Uh, late in the evening, uh, spent the night, actually went to a small, um, small animal welfare, uh, not animal, welfare, animal rehab clinic, an animal rehab facility, a small sanctuary. So where, you remember this all much better than I Where do. we were going to be meeting with some of our team members, but they also had a couple of acres that we might be able to use for Ramba as well. They had about 10 acres that we might be able to use. So we start, started there and that's when the primary person from Elephant Sanctuary Brazil um met up with us and uh, told us on june 25th sorry <laughs> the money's not here uh we don't have huh. the money and i don't know that it's going to be available we have no idea when it's going to be available so uh wishing that we would have known that 24 hours earlier <laughs> um however uh also with that strong drive that ramba's waiting and we still have land and we have a car. Uh, so we- And a place to stay. And a place to stay. That's right. The city was going to give us a place to stay. And then <laughs> this is when life got really interesting. Uh, you know, all this enthusiasm, all the excitement, it was still there. You know, everyone's still motivated. You know, we moved from, we left Sao Paulo, uh, which is where this small uh, uh, sanctuary was, animal rehab and, and uh, wildlife sanctuary was. We went from there to uh, Mato Grosso, the state we live in now, of course. And But the property that was going to be for donated was at, actually in the neighboring state, in the state of Pará, uh, which is basically the Amazon. And, you know, so the city closest to it is actually in Mato Grosso. So the city and, and, the, and the mayor of the city really loved the project. Uh, the mayor of the city was friends with somebody that the, the president of Elephant Sanctuary Brazil knew. And he had this contact and the city mayor had some people that knew, she knew that had land. She talked to somebody and said, hey, yeah, I'll be happy to donate my land to this. Uh, 1,000 hectares. I have it in Pará. It's not being used. It's perfect. It has water, it has trees, it has some pasture, um, you know, ideal. And the city was going to let us use a house in, in the city. Moved to the city in north of Mato Grosso. Um, on the way, on the car ride there, we nearly got in a head head on collision. Um, we are on a two lane road going from Sinop, Mato Grosso until uh, Guaranta de Norte, which is the city that we're going to be living in, Guaranta de Norte. Uh, and on the car ride there, we actually had to swerve off the road to avoid a oncoming traffic who was trying to pass several trucks. At the same time, that person oh was off the road and just barely missed a head-on collision. And then we arrived to Guaranta. 
late in the afternoon, late in the evening. Actually, we are very grateful that Peter Granley, who is from Elephant Voices on the board of directors of Global Sanctuary for Elephants, and a huge uh, reason why Elephant Sanctuary Brazil was being formed, uh, he joined us for this first trip also for our arrival, uh, met us up in, in Sinope at the airport, and then uh, had a bit of a delay because of the near head-on collision. A little bit of damage to the vehicle, but we were able to carry on. Uh, made it to Guarantá later that evening. When you say Elephant Sanctuary Brazil, but you haven't actually founded Elephant Sanctuary Brazil yet. It was in the works. Yeah, the the, the formation of the organization was in the works, and the way that was, I think we introduced four, if I recall, which was Elephant Voices got involved here in South America. So during this time, we we're actually in the, doing the paperwork of to to. To, to to legalize the association Elephant Sanctuary Brazil. Okay, got it. Right, so <laughs> we arrive and now, of course, we, as we said, money, car, property, a place to live, and we had no money. Uh, that was announced. Uh, so we get there and there's a place for us to stay. Uh, there was supposed to be furniture there and um, and it's just not what we expected. Uh, we arrived to in our defense our standards are not you know we're low maintenance you know it's not like yeah it just (laughs) we've spent weeks and months sleeping on bills of hay uh to take care of sick elephants you know we've yeah we're pretty easy going sort of a okay but maybe a, a toilet and sort of some form of running water <laughs> mattress yeah i good. mean there was running water there was a toilet there was a shower um okay there was a shower and there were uh there are two foam mattresses actually four foam mattresses mm-hmm. uh when you put all four of them on top of another and sit down on them your butt still hits the floor um oh, no. <laughs> and then there was the issue of they had gone in and done a a cleaning external cleaning uh but they actually didn't open up the bathroom cabinets which were an inch of mouse dung um <laughs> maybe uh, maybe mouse and rat dung it was a little rough um mm, so we good. actually spent most of that first night scrubbing scrubbing and cleaning and cleaning and scrubbing and scrubbing and cleaning um but it was a place to live. So they had left cleaning yeah. stuff there. Uh, yeah, they did. It was a place to live. It was free. The city's still supportive. Everyone's still super enthusiastic. And we get to a look at the new property tomorrow. Yeah, we had a fan. We had mattresses. I mean, it was definitely doable. But we were starting to wonder how smart of a decision it was after losing the money, almost getting in a huge car wreck <laughs> and then showing up and finding out this is where we were going to be living. But, you know, again, still have the motivation of Ramba and all the elephants in need. So trying to stay positive, enthusiastic. And we're like, it's okay. We'll go see the property. It'll be great. It's all good. We could get, get to go visit the Amazon forest, basically. Well, it's and, right below. Yeah, it's in a transition zone and depending on where you are and you know, the, the, it's very diverse. It goes from more Savannah to forested areas and it depends on the property and it, it varies quickly. So we go to look at the property and we have somebody driving the car who's from Brazil. I think someone from the city actually uh, was with us. Um, and we go to look at the property and it's definitely not your normal roads. As we already saw in, in Tocantins, we talked about the one property where you drive off the, drive off the main road onto what looks like tire tracks going through a field and somehow that's a road to the property. It was a little bit rough getting in there, but uh, we then explored the property all day. Um, 
Oh, I know that happened. I forgot on the way there <laughs> is the first time we crossed the state line. Yeah. Oh goodness. So we crossed the state line and at the state line, there's security, uh, police security and, uh, oh. security guard. Uh, the, the, the police is actually insinuating that we have to pay to enter. And, uh, the guy who was with us, our driver is actually from the city, not too far away. He said, no, I look, I, I work for the city. Um, you know, we're not going to play this game. And he said, okay, carry on your way. So we didn't know, we knew very, very little Portuguese at that point, but you could tell something was askew. Uh, when we talked about it later, uh, it came up that he was asking for a bribe or he will find something wrong with your vehicle and, you know, fine you or arrest you. Oh, I see. Okay. So there no, there aren't any interstate controls otherwise in, in Brazil. It was just a. There are, there are interstate controls, but they take advantage of being in the middle of nowhere and it doesn't, it's not always, oh, I see. Yet, especially up there. This is, this is a town, Guadalajara del Norte. It had at that point had only existed for 30 years. It was a very new city. Oh, I see. Uh, all of this region was very newly developed 30 to 40 years before 50 years before it was, they said wild west. Um, it was, it was, you know, a lot of gold mining, um, a lot of, a lot of the wild west. It was very, very. That's because I was going to say a lot of wild west men, no mentality. You know? Every man for themselves, every person mm. for themselves mentality. So very lawless, lots of yeah. guns, lots of people doing what they wanted that most of it wasn't legal. It's just one of those areas where they tell you don't go, you know, 15 minutes north of here. Yeah. Mm. So we learned at that point, uh, or throughout the next couple of weeks, actually, but I think it'll help perspective, uh, give perspective. We learned that a lot of the lands that people had were basically given by the government to people. A lot of people from the South took advantage of this, moved up from the South of Brazil, move up to have this basically free land. If you put it into agricultural use for minimum 10 years to support your family. And oh, okay. uh, unfortunately, a lot of the lands were not fully regulated. And this is where we get into the next part of the story. So we look at the land uh, before, let's go back to women in the United States. We kept asking about, you know, land documents, ownership rights, you know, he's going to donate it outright, you know, asking it just a ton of questions about the land, access, safety, security. There's no water. There's no electric, uh, no running water. There's no electric. There's a spring on the water in the property, but that's most of the rural properties in Brazil don't have any sort of running water. Uh, you either dig a well, which is okay. actually even rare up there. You just use the springs because there's an abundance of springs, uh, freshwater springs all over uh, this region, all over, uh, all over Mato Grosso. So we, start digging. We look at the land. It's okay. It's not perfect by any means, uh, but it's workable and uh, the soil's not great. So we ended up having meetings with some folks from the city. I think Petter was there at the time too, it was right after that, because we were questioning about the, 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 the strength of the soil and the, and the fertility of the soil. And they started talking about, we had several uh, agronomists and, and uh, folks from the agricultural sector that met with us and said, no, no, this is fine. This is no big deal. This is all you have to do. Step one, step two, step three, you know, piece of cake, your land will start growing more grass in a heartbeat. Um, of course, all of this is being translated to us. 
uh, looking back at it now, realizing how much wasn't fully translated or how much <laughs> they didn't divulge of what it really means. Hey, step one, step two, step 12, step 257. And maybe at the end, you'll have grass is what they actually met, uh, meant. What was growing there at the time then? It was forest. It was forest. Oh, I see. It was fragile forest. It wasn't really hardy uh, compared to much of the area that we have, had seen. Um, and realizing now, I know that's part of the motivation for him to donate, I think, is just he realized he wasn't going to be able to do much for it with agriculture purposes. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like Amazon. It's not. It wasn't thick forest, but it was a lot of, I mean, it just wasn't healthy soil. You know, a lot of spindly trees, a lot of wispy grass. There just wasn't, you know, that much that okay. was really taking hold there at that point. Okay. But then again, you say, oh, yeah, free land, <laughs> you know, and let's find folks that can help us make it, help us improve it, you know, uh, over the years to to make it better for the elephants. Um, and then we started digging into a few other things on that property over the coming days. Uh, we started understanding more what this land use actually means and started talking to more people. Um and realize that there's actually a lot of restrictions on the land. It's you know the, the part of the agreement to you for the government to let you use it is you can't transfer it to anybody else, and you have to show an agricultural benefit. You actually show have to show a profit off of the land in order oh. for it to be uh, in order for you to maintain the ownership of that. So we started understanding more about those parameters are, and the more we dug into it and the more we asked very specific questions is when we started to learn, this isn't going to work. This donated land is really not an option. So no land, no money. Oh, we found out we were going to have no car either. I think, yeah, it came a little bit after still. I, yeah. think it was, I think it was in a couple of weeks because at this point, they were still saying it's going to take about three months to get you a car, um, but we'll be able to get that for you. So we still had some. <laughs> yeah, but hope. we had no car in the process. And no car in so the we process. had to rely on whoever. But with no property, we weren't exactly going anywhere. The reason for the car was to be able to go back and forth between the city and that property to be able to develop the property or start development of the property and start scoping things out and see where we're going to put our army tent, which is what we were going to be staying in initially, because there are no structures on this property at all. Just going back a bit on what you said regarding um, using the land, uh, you could have it for free if you use it agriculturally. Would that at the time then have been a no-go for the sanctuary? Because I mean, obviously you're not using the, the land agriculturally when you've um, retired elephants there. Or was that just for that property? Was that all the properties that were under that type of Management, government, or, government, oh, government okay. or government provided land. And the big factor there oh, is, is okay, he, okay. the owner cannot change ownership. Yeah. He cannot pass that on. He can't donate it. It would have to stay in his name. And by staying in his name, we have no safety. And not only that, even yeah. if we could use part of it for agriculture, uh, even if we could find a way to, and we had talked about it with, you know, bananas and other things that we could possibly grow. Uh, we had talked about <laughs> options that could be used because again, it's free land, but this is, you know, you have to remember, this is not a 24 hour conversation. This is over probably two or three week time uh, that we started to pick all these, put all these pieces together and started again, reading between the lines of what all this, what the restrictions really were. Uh, so with him not being able to sell it or any other donate it, it needed to stay in his property and uh, having to have agriculture purpose that he had to show the profit for because it was in his name. 
it was just getting too yeah, muddy. This has, this has yeah. uh, uh, I mean, just way too many red flags. I mean, the reality is in order to put elephants there, you know, you build fences that cost a million dollars. You know, you can't make that sort of investment without the security of knowing that all of these things could possibly fall through. I mean, it was just, you know, it's not like, a dog shelter, you know, it's not just a building with stuff inside, you know, you were talking about, you know, acres of fencing that costs a whole lot of money and big barns. And then of course, transporting elephants, which is a whole other thing. And you just can't, that sort of wiggle room just isn't an option. I mean, it It has to be your property. You can't, you can't have that financial risk on a property that doesn't belong to the, which legally wasn't, wouldn't even be allowed to be given to you. So, uh, yeah. Um, so we've got no car, we've got a a sort of a a very uncomfortable mattress to stay on, (laughs) but we have a mattress and we have a roof over head. Um, we've got no money. We've got no land. We, we skipped the moving part because we, I said, I don't like moving. So what did you actually have with you? So would it at this time, would this have been the time that you were saying, okay, this is not going to work. You know, we've sold our house and everything and our, our stuff in the U S we're going to move back. Oh no. You know, we're, there was still a lot of promising things. You know, we still had a city mayor who really wanted to help the project. You know, we still had some support for the government. We still had elephants in need that needed an option. And we were in an mm. area that, was promising climactically. Uh, my new is beautiful. And there was a lot yeah. of lands available that were relatively cheap also. So there's still a lot of elements that were promising. Um, you know, we, I think we've mentioned it before. It's a really hard thing to walk away from. Yeah. You know, again, yeah. we just visited Ramba fairly recently. We know that in general, health-wise, she already had issues, but the scenario that she was living in made everything so much worse and that there always was that possibility that, you know, she could pass away due to lack of care in some respects. Um, And it's just, you know, I think at this point, we kind of laughed. We were still in the laughing stage and it was a little entertaining (laughs) that, in such a short time period, how much had fallen through. Um, and of course we didn't really speak Portuguese. So we, we found some new best friends that were English teachers who we actually love to this day and still talk to. They're actually teaching some of our caregivers how to speak English, which is very, very nice. Um, but yeah, at this point it was, we were still okay. We still thought we can make this happen. You know, there's enough positive surrounding everything that we'll keep pushing forward and we'll figure out how to make this happen. Hmm. Okay. Then we'll, uh, we'll talk about that then in our, in our next episode. So thank you very much for your time today. <laughs> Thank you, Nadia. Yeah, this is uh, this episode was not the, the light and fluffy one, you know, all hope and excitement in the beginning and less than what are we 20 minutes later? A little different. Scenario. But you're but you're still laughing. I mean, we're laughing as well because we had a few technical a uh, few technical problems between uh, Germany and Brazil today, internet wise. So I hope our wonderful producer Amy can um, can sort all that out. Yeah, thank you to all our listeners. For-
and we'll catch up then in in two weeks time yeah we'll be continue traveling around brazil with you looking for <laughs> suitable properties hopefully finding money and having a car till then take care thank you nadia and we look forward to talking to, to you in a couple more weeks yeah okay bye bye-bye bye okay listeners do send us an email at podcast at globalelephants.org. We look forward to hearing from you. Take care and catch up in two weeks' time. Oh, 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 oh.